The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Start! You can call me Bruce. Nolan is standing by. Hey, wacky Bruce. Coming to you from an undisclosed location, this is the Bruce Exclusive. And here's your host, Bruce Nolan. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome. To another edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. If I seem a little bit on edge tonight, it's because I just finished scrolling through Twitter and saw Matt Bovey, the man, the myth, the legend, Matt Bovey, give his top 10 Disney songs of all time. And while I was pleased, definitely pleased, to see the inclusion of bangers like Eye to Eye from a Goofy movie, I was very sad that Hellfire from The Hunchback of Notre Dame was not on the list. To me, that movie is perpetually underrated and complicated primarily due to its very, very strong and compelling villain. And Hellfire is, in my opinion, the greatest Disney villain song of all time. Yes, better than Be Prepared from Scar and the Lion King. But there's no question that Eye to Eye is an unmitigated banger. And I hope that you and I can see Eye to Eye as we tackle a fairly difficult topic today. That's right. How about that for a transition? Today's episode is called Fight the Fun, and it's called Fight the Fun because I kind of have a topic I want to talk about as it relates to draft prospects, and we're going to bring up a couple NFL draft prospects for this year in regards to fighting the fun, but quickly, some newsy items. Per Tim Graham of The Athletic, quote, barring a significant development, the Bills are not trading for DeAndre Hopkins. So last week, I opened the pod with Panda Watch, which was actually D-Hop Watch. And just like that, a week later, it is seemingly not going to happen, barring a significant development. Sometimes I wonder 
how much of things that you can predict the Buffalo Bills to do based only on the things that people think they're going to do. Every single time, there's heavy rumors about the Bills doing something. Doesn't ever seem like that happens. There weren't heavy rumors about the Bills and Josh Allen. There weren't heavy rumors about the Bills and Stephon Diggs. There weren't heavy rumors about the Bills and Von Miller. There were heavy rumors about the Bills and Travis Etienne. There were heavy rumors about the Bills and Brees Hall. There were heavy rumors about the Bills and DeAndre Hopkins. Have you noticed a pattern here? I'm starting to think that if I were a betting man, I might be able to clean up just by betting against whatever the rumors are saying in regards to the Buffalo Bills. Now, one thing about DeAndre Hopkins. I do think that there's a possibility that he gets traded. I don't know to the Bills, but he does get traded during the NFL draft. One of the things that you learn about NFL teams culture is it functions a little bit like buying a house. When you go to buy a house, one of the things that sellers are constantly trying to manipulate inside the mind of buyers is they want the buyer to be able to picture themselves in the house. That's the reason why they stage the house. They want you to be able to picture yourself living in that home. It'll increase the emotional attachment and increase the probability of getting an offer and a good one. But NFL teams operate a little bit like that too. They want to be able to see themselves making the maneuver. They don't want to have it as a hypothetical. So during the year at the trade deadline, they're like, oh yeah, by all means, yeah, I'll just give away a third. Yeah, it's fine, completely. Yeah, absolutely great. But then on draft night, when somebody wants to trade up and they don't want to give up their third, they're like, I don't really want to do that. Why? Because they can imagine themselves. They know what their board looks like. They know the kind of player that they would get with that pick. Well, the same thing applies in this circumstance. Because draft picks have a tendency to hold way more value when the person trading for them can imagine the player that they would take with that pick. The Titans traded A.J. Brown for a first when they knew they could draft a player they believed to be A.J. Brown's replacement. The Ravens traded away Hollywood Brown when they knew that they could get a specific player with that pick. So even if the Arizona Cardinals are balking at a third to a fourth upgrade or a two to a three upgrade, whatever it is that they're balking at, they might feel differently when they have in mind a player that they would take with that pick. Which means that I can acknowledge the Bills are probably out, like Tim Graham said, but that that doesn't necessarily mean DeAndre Hopkins is not going to get traded and specifically might get traded during the draft. The Buffalo Bills re-signed defensive tackle Jordan Phillips today to a one-year deal that can be worth up to $4.6 million, also reported as a $3 million deal. So you can tell who leaked one and who leaked the other, huh? That's for sure. The interesting thing to me is not that the Buffalo Bills re-signed Jordan Phillips. I think that's a perfectly reasonable answer for defensive tackle. I think that looking at last year for Jordan Phillips as a whole, you go, ah, it was pretty disappointing. He was also playing with one arm most of the year, and he probably shouldn't be playing with as badly injured as he was. So for me, 
When I think about Jordan Phillips, I think you can expect to see a little bit more of the early 2022 Jordan Phillips against the Rams than the late 2022 Jordan Phillips. So I don't look at the overwhelming majority of 2022 as an indicator of the type of player you're going to get. And as far as backup three tech goes, sure, why not? It also gives them an opportunity if they decide later on they want to move on from Ed Oliver, perhaps during the draft because they know what type of player they would be getting, just like we talked about. Then they have a backup plan with Jordan Phillips at three tech. I will say that after discussions with Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean at the owners meeting, I'm not leaning towards the Bills wanting to move at Oliver, but it could still happen. The thing I think is really interesting is that it's a one-year deal. Now, it's not interesting because I wasn't expecting a one-year deal. I was. He got a one-year deal last year, coming off injury. Sure, one-year deal. The thing that's interesting to me now is that the Buffalo Bills currently have zero defensive tackles that are under contract for 2024. Settle, Daquan Jones, Jordan Phillips, Ed Oliver. None of them under contract for 2024. It would not shock me in the least if a defensive tackle was taken in the first two rounds of the 2024 NFL draft. It wouldn't shock me if they picked two of them. Not necessarily two in the first two rounds, though it's not like they haven't done that before with edge rusher. But if you picked a second-round defensive tackle and a fifth-round defensive tackle, I wouldn't be shocked at all by this. They pull them a cargo. Draft one at 27 and one in the fifth round. That wouldn't shock me either. Of course, knowing our luck, the fifth-round person would end up going and outplaying the first-round person. But I think it's important to note that they chose Jordan Phillips on a one-year deal as opposed to an unrestricted free agent on perhaps a two-year deal. They voluntarily decided to pick a player who they were going to bring back on a one-year deal and leave that room basically empty for 2024. So the Bills are on track to get a compensatory pick. That worked out really well. The things that made it end up that way is that a lot of the signings that we assumed weren't going to count, counted. And a lot of the signings we assumed were going to count, didn't. Damian Harris didn't count as a compensatory free agent coming in, but Devin Singletary did count as a compensatory free agent going out. Which means, as far as compensatory free agents go, it goes In, McGovern, and Hardy. Out, Edmonds, Singletary, Keenum. So we lost more, then we gained, which means now we get a compensatory pick. Looks like it potentially could be a third-round pick, which is meaningful. And Brandon Bean flat-out said, yes, I'm aware of it. We are not going to compromise that with any further free agent signings. Brandon Bean has one compensatory bingo. And good for him. It's meaningful because everything is a value proposition. What you give versus what you get. And if what you are going to give for a free agent right now, who would be one year, $4 million is one year, $4 million. And you have to sacrifice a third round pick that all of a sudden feels a lot different. 
it feels a lot different. Everything is a value proposition. So I don't want to pretend like these things don't matter because day two picks matter, especially when you have a quarterback who is making the kind of money that Josh Allen is making. So good for Brandon Bean to be aware of it and good for Brandon Bean for not taking the approach of, well, I, I just I just want good players. Just, just give me good players because everything is a value proposition. Everything. Everything in life is a value proposition. I don't understand why we understand this in other aspects of our lives and we don't understand it in football. Everything is a value between what I'm getting and what I'm giving. Congratulations, you got a good football player, but it's a long snapper and you paid him $10 million a year. Now are you happy about it? Well, you got a good player. Everything in life is a value proposition. Me doing this podcast a value proposition. I decided that the time and energy and effort that I put into it is worth what I get out of it. You listening to this podcast is a value proposition. Can we please stop only looking at one side of the coin in every aspect of personnel development? Please. Everything has a cost. You have to balance what you give with what you get. And good for Brandon Bean to be aware of that at all times and secure a potential third round compensatory pick. We are going to take a quick break. Stick with me. We'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for joining me for this edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. We're going to fight the fun, ladies and gentlemen. Did you ever hear the one about one mushroom who goes up to another mushroom, says, hey, baby, you want to go out sometime? She says, no. He says, why not? I'm a fun guy. We're going to fight the fun. And this is what I want to say about it. With draft prospects, small is fun and big is fun. But the reasons they're fun is because they're different. And the reason they're different is because not a lot of people, their size, see success at the college level, which means even fewer people of their size will see success at the NFL level. This is a Tank Dell discussion. This is a Dewan Jones discussion. Both are players who have been commonly mocked the Buffalo Bills. Both could very reasonably go on to successful NFL careers. But if they did, 
it'd be a significant outlier. Players as large as Dewan Jones do not have a very good track record in the NFL. Players as small as Tank Dell do not have a very good track record in the NFL. But they're fun. And so we get attached to them because we enjoy it. But why? Why do we think they're fun? If Dewan Jones was 6'5", 320, we wouldn't think he was as fun. If Tank Dell was 5'10", 195, we wouldn't think he was as fun. The reason we think they're fun is because they're outliers. The reason they're probably not going to work out is because they're outliers. That doesn't mean you never draft these players. It just means you have to be very, very cautious. You have to have a very specific plan. You have to be able to answer the question, why did none of the other players who look like this work out, but this person will? You have to answer that question. And their fun isn't good enough. I'll give you two examples for me personally. I loved Malcolm Rodriguez last year. Linebacker, Oklahoma State. This year, I love Ivan Pace Jr., linebacker, Cincinnati. I loved watching their film. But I have to fight the urge to take things I enjoy and assume they'll translate because both of them are significant size outliers. So I'm completely okay drafting either one of them on day three. That's where I'm willing to take swings on players like this. Because if they don't work out, they very likely became reasonable core special teams players. Malcolm Rodriguez is small. He was in the third percentile of height, the 22nd percentile of weight, the second percentile of wingspan, the first percentile of arm length. He's really small. Then you go to a player I really like this year, Ivan Pace. Ivan Pace Jr., the first percentile of height, the 19th percentile of weight, the third percentile of arm length. He's really small. And I absolutely loved both of the players. But I have to fight the fun. I have to not let the thing that I think is enjoyable for me to impact my projection. Because entertainment and projection are very, very different things. Sometimes people are entertaining because they're doing things that you probably shouldn't do. We see this in quarterbacks all the time. I fell into the trap last year with Malik Willis. Now, it's too early to write off Malik Willis. But Malik Willis was so much fun to watch at Liberty. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to translate. Sometimes you're a quarterback and you're making fun plays outside the pocket because you're bailing too soon because you don't know what you're seeing. Yeah, it's fun. But it doesn't necessarily mean it's functional. Tank Dell is a lot of fun on day three. Dewan Jones is a lot of fun, and I'm really, really concerned about how big he is. Dewan Jones is in the fourth percentile of 10-yard split. Why? Because he's 6'8 and a quarter and 374 pounds with 36 and 3-inch arms. Here are the players most like Dewan Jones via mock draftable. Ryan Pope, DJ Fluker, Corey Robinson, 
Willie Jones, Derek Fletcher, Mike Williams of Buffalo Bills fame, Langston Walker, also of Buffalo Bills fame, Elliot Silvers, Zach Banner, and Stocker McDougal. Those are the people who are close to the same size as Dewan Jones. But he's fun. We have to be able to answer the question, why did they not work out but Dewan Jones will? Tank Dell is closer to being a player that looks like a player who's been successful in the NFL than Dewan Jones is. And I've been gone on record as saying I'm worried about Tank Dell. But it's closer. If you look at Tank Dell's list, you've got players like Jordan Addison on the list, Jalen Waddell on the list, KJ Hamler, Hollywood Brown, John Brown. Now, they're all bigger than him, but at least he's within shouting distance of players who have been successful in the NFL. Does it mean I'm going to take him in the second round? Probably not. They're fun, Bruce. And I know they're fun, but just let it be fun. Let it be fun and also compartmentalize the fact that the very things that make them fun are the things that probably don't make them translatable as often as we'd like them to be. Small is fun. Big is fun. Malcolm Rodriguez was fun for me last year. Ivan Pace is fun for me this year. The same thing applies to drafting a running back high. Running backs are fun positions to watch. It always has been a fun position to watch. It's fun for me to watch. I love watching running backs. I have a bunch of running backs in this class I really like. I think it's a good running back class. Tajay Spears, Dwayne McBride. I really like them. I do. I think all these could be mid-round running backs that actually make a difference on an NFL roster. I'm worried about Sean Tucker's medical issue. That keeps popping up. It's kind of odd. I like Tank Bigsby. Kendra Miller. They're all fun to watch. They're fun players. I went on record as saying Israel Abanakanda is going to be a player that's going to go somewhere in a Shanahan system and we're all going to be looking at him in a year or two going, gosh, you really can get good players on day three of the draft. Roshan Johnson, the other Texas running back. Chase Brown, all of them are fun. I enjoy watching all of them. Mohamed Ibrahim was one of my favorites before he tore his Achilles. I know he came back and he was effective. I don't think he was quite the same. So I think the stock kind of gets pushed down for that. But they're fun running backs in this class. They're really fun players in this class. But we got to fight the fun. We can't let it turn us into people who are just chasing fun things for our team because what's fun isn't necessarily always what's best. Christopher sent two emails I want to get to. He said, Bruce, this has been a bit of an obsession with me this offseason, but I think the Bills' trouble in the pass rush is a coaching issue, not or at least less than a personnel issue. I'm listening to you on disguise coverage and you're mentioning the difference between how Poyer and Hyde turned out versus Trent Murphy. And it seems like another data point. Ed Oliver has underdelivered. Boogie Basham has underperformed. AJ Vanessa has underperformed. Harrison Phillips showed out. Rousseau is showing out. But overall, it seems like the Bills D-line isn't a place potential becomes performance. I'm okay with the Bills sending more resources the way of the pass rush, but I want to know 
that they've done something about how they choose their investments and how they develop them. How do we assess the pass rush performance by the team behind the players on the field? Christopher, you're going to hate my answer. You can't really. You have to isolate the variable. If A.J. Epinesa goes elsewhere and becomes a really good pass rusher, then maybe it was coaching. If Ed Oliver goes elsewhere and blows up and becomes Geno Atkins, then maybe it was a coaching issue. But you're not going to know until you isolate a variable because we're not inside the room. And at any given time, when you see some players develop and some not, the explanation is just as logically that the players didn't develop because they're not that good versus they didn't develop because the coaching isn't that good. You're just not going to know. We're going to have to wait. Because unless you know the intricacies of what Eric Washington is teaching them versus how you believe they should be teaching him, it's all speculation. You have an isolated variable. He goes on to ask me about running backs at pick 27, as if somehow he doesn't know better. Come on, Chris. He says, I know your team do nothing at running back this offseason, and our team no running back in the first round all the time, and I generally agree with on you both. My question is, in the very unlikely scenario that B. John Robinson falls to 27 and the Bills don't take him, what do I do to feel good about that next year when we face the Bengals with Burrow, Chase, Boyd, Higgins, and B. John Robinson? If the Bills had the first pick in the draft and you could pick any player but only had to pay them the 27th draft pick's contract, who would you take? And why would that player be a better addition to the Bills than Bijan? The first answer to that question is if I had the first pick in the draft and I could take any player and I only had to pay them the 27th pick contract, I'd probably take Will Anderson for this team. I think he's a plug-and-play defensive end who performed at the highest level consistently. I love the people who say he dropped off this year. No, he dropped off this year because he regressed to the mean because last year was ridiculous. He's a really good player at a position that I still feel like the Buffalo Bills could use reinforcements. So yeah, I take Will Anderson. He moves on and says, alternatively, if Houston trades up with the Bills and now the Bills are picking in the first, in the second round, and Bijan is again miraculously still available, do you take him then? Probably not. And if so, what magically makes the difference? Is it the compensation of the trade? Is that worth giving up an extra year of team control? All of this is to probe your logic. I'm really happy with the Bills running back room. I might consider Bijan at that pick, 33. And if you want to know what makes the difference, it's that we are losing an ability to tag a fifth-year option. You're looking at the fifth-year option as a good thing. I'm looking at it as a mini tag that you should use for the most valuable positions. If I wouldn't tag a running back, then why would I want a fifth-year option on a running back? Because that's what it is. It's a mini tag. So if I don't think running backs are valuable enough to give a one-year, big deal, fully guaranteed contract to, then why would I then want that for a fifth-year option? Because that's what it is. So also the compensation of the trade matters for sure. None of this really matters because B. John Robinson is not going to make it to 27. That's the truth. He's not. If Travis Etienne, if Travis freaking Etienne did not make it 
to the Bills pick in the 20s, Bijan Robinson's not going to make it to the Bills pick in the 20s. I would be shocked. The reason I don't take running backs in the first round is opportunity cost. There is always going to be a different player who is at least close to that same talent level, who is more efficiently compensated relative to his position by taking that position in the first round instead of running back. And you're going to end up using a fifth-year option on a position that's more valuable. In addition, running backs have proven to have the short lifespan. And on top of all those things, the biggest mover in running game success is not the talent of a running back. Running back talent does not move the needle as much as people think it does. The number one factor that correlates with running game success is bodies in the box, not running back talent. We like running back talent because it's fun. It's fun to have a really dynamic running back, and that's awesome. I love having a really dynamic running back. But it's been proven a million times you don't need to spend a first-round pick to do it. And every single year, people say, well, this is one's different. This guy's different. Well, Brees Hall's different. He's special. Travis Etienne is different. He's special. Najee Harris is different. He's special. Every single time. Well, Bruce, this one's really different. Bijan Robinson is special. He is. Bijan Robinson's awesome, which is why he won't be there at 27. But even if he was, running back talent doesn't move the needle enough. And I know that I'm Buzz Killington. I've always been Buzz Killington. I always will be Buzz Killington. And I'm telling you all to fight the fun. And you're never going to listen to the show again. Well... That's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan, Buffalo Rumblings. to do's less time and an infinite number of tools to keep track of sometimes doing business has never felt harder but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals you can just use hubspot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier imagine this high quality leads fast closing deals wildly happy customers and more benchmark breaking quarters it's not a miracle it's hubspot visit hubspot.com to get started today